Welcome to Matt Geek Gab, episode 922 for Monday, April 4th, 2022. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Matt Geek Gab, the show where we... Take all your questions. You send in your questions. You send in your tips. You send in your cool stuff found. We take them all. We try to answer your questions. We share your tips. We share your cool stuff found. We string it together loosely into an agenda that we can follow that might be cohesive and coherent such that we can reach our goal for each of us to learn at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include... LinkedIn jobs at linkedin.com slash MGG, where you can post your first job for free. Coda.io slash MGG, this new document, all-in-one web-based thing. We're actually going to start using it here for the show. I'll tell you more about that in a little bit, too. HelixSleep.com slash MGG, where you can save 200 bucks off your mattress and get two free pillows. And you can sign up for the free app at ZocDoc.com slash MGG and instantly book a doctor appointment with doctors that you can see reviewed. We'll talk more about all of these a little bit later in the show. For now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. And here from the Podfeet Podcast Empire, I'm Allison Sheridan. How are things in the Podcast Podfeet Empire uh, uh, empirical, really empirical. Okay. Well, that's as they should be in empires these days. So that's, that's good. Thank you so much, uh, for, for joining us. I, this is certainly the first time we've had you on for the entire show. And yes, folks, spoiler alert, she will be here for the entire show. And we are lucky to have you, Allison. But I, I, you joined us early on for like a show 100 or 200, or am I misremembering that? Well, my first memory is at Macworld where I brought Pilot Pete up yes. on stage on my MacBook Pro using tethering and stuff. And that was that was uh, that was my big entrance. That was your first appearance on the show. That was well before episode 100, I would I think. So, yeah, that's right. I was that was awesome, too, because you had uh, and, you know, you have to kind of uh, suspend your disbelief that this wasn't commonplace uh, at the time, <laughs> folks, it, it, if, you, if you and if you can't ask your parents. But um you had somehow you were streaming. Pete. I had a MiFi card, right? And I brought it. him in on something, maybe Skype, Skype, I, I think know, something yeah. like that, probably. Yeah, and brought him up on stage, and I felt like the real hero. That there was some reason you weren't able to get him, and I brought him in for you, so he was there on stage. So that was that was exciting, big I, moment. Big I, moment. I, yeah, that's right. That was great. Well, and here we are. Pete couldn't make it this week, and and so you <laughs> you stepped right in yet again. This is history repeats itself, just uh, a little bit. Uh, a little bit more, we're a little bit more seasoned. We've, we've gained more wisdom since then. And, there you go. And Well, I think uh, the main reason you asked me on was to actually save you time, because as soon as the show airs, Dave just gets email after email after email from me, asking questions, clarifying, uh, adding information. And so if, if Dave just has me on the show, that just clears that whole thing up. I, my, my Monday afternoon is now free and clear. It's a vacation day for me. That's right. By having you on the show. You're just paying your penance now. It's oh well. Yes. Well, the problem is I've now looped it in so that John 
uh, and me and, of course, all of our listeners have to pay the same penance that I've paid uh, over, you know, every, every week, Monday. For, every Monday for years. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but no, you you are like and, and this is true. Many of you uh, who listen to the show and offer clarification or corrections and all of that stuff. It's super helpful. You know, it makes the show better is is the reality. So I'm, I'm it appreciative of it. fun to be able to participate and help out. And I, th- yeah. I think that's part of the, the, the biggest power of this show is that it is everybody. It's All not just you guys. No, no, we're, we're just the, the, you know, the, we are, we are, but the stewards of, uh, of, of all of this here, just making it. Sometimes you're the smartest guys in the room, but very rarely. <laughs> and, and, and the, the worst part not is necessary. when we start thinking we're the smartest guys in the room. That's the problem today. We know we're not, well, maybe we're the smartest guys in the room. I doubt that, <laughs> but we're not the smartest people in the room. And that's why we have you here. So, well, you. yeah, you're welcome. Um, not so quickly. Should we get to some quick tips and actually pretend that we've got an agenda that we're going to follow here and see what happens? All right. Uh, but, but go to podfeet.com if you haven't. I, I'm sure you all know about uh, Nocillacast and all that good stuff. But, but make sure you go if you, if you haven't because that's, that's, that's what Allison does. It's awesome. Uh, all right. Let's start with, uh, with Stuart who taught me a thing. And so I get to knock one of my five out right out of the gate. Stuart says, um, by accident, I found out that, uh, you know, if you have a lot of app screens on your iPhone and iPad too, he says, uh, you can swipe between them to access your apps. Of course, that's how it's been for a while, but you can also switch between them by holding your finger on the dots icon. So at the, if you have multiple app screens, there will be a, an icon of dots along the bottom of the screen that indicates which of those pages you are on and you can hold your finger on that and scroll like a scroll bar. And in fact, maybe that's the right way to think of it is that it's a horizontal scroll bar for your apps. Amazing. I had no idea that that was there. I I've given up on having pages of apps on my iPhone. I, I have, I have one and then I have search and that's the, that's yeah, I, I only I use search, that. but there, yeah. uh, Stuart, that's really a cool tip. And I know a lot of people don't know about it there. I'm going to add to Stuart's tip. If if you're ever trying to move a, uh, a an app from one screen to another and you're having to move it like 12 screens, you can pick it up, you know, press and hold till it gets the jiggly thing and then use the scroll, the three scroll dots and it stays with you and then let go of it and it drops onto the screen you move to. Multi-finger. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You'll still drop it in the wrong place. Yes. To be honest. Right? Yeah, but you'll feel cooler <laughs> doing it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Interesting. I like it. All right. Cool. Fun. Um, I have a, a, a last minute addition to share. We started the show, you know, we've been in pre-show for longer than, than usual, just getting Allison up to speed and really just catching up with Allison. Cause it's, it's been a little while and, uh, everything was working fine. And then we started the show and my mouse was like barely functioning and it's weird. Yeah, I know. I still use a mouse on this computer. I don't use a trackpad. I don't know why. But my mouse was barely functioning. I was like, you know, having to shove it around to get things happening. Thankfully, you took a minute to uh, to share your tip, Allison. And I had a minute to look at my mouse here while you were doing that. I had to shave the mouse. There was a a hair sitting right across the optical sensor on the oh, mouse. <laughs> so shave the mouse, folks. That's uh, that's that's your that's my my contribution today. So 
in case anybody was worried that I was going to be the smartest guy in the room, we have we have we have addressed that, and there's no more concern. Uh, I'm the one that that was fumbling with a hairy mouse. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, listener Chuck shares yet another one that I did not know. Um, he says. How many times have Mac users had an app store flag that an upgrade was available? Probably substantially fewer than iPhone app updates. Uh, but he says, uh, uh, so there's his fish shake. Yeah, you got to hit command R when you when you go into the app store and go to the updates tab. Hit command R. It is a web browser. Really? Yeah. Oh, bonus quick tip. That. There you got go. <laughs> yep. You got one. That's one. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Uh, yeah. You hit command R and it will refresh like it would on a web page and you will see all of the ones that aren't there. I have to credit. Uh, someone told us about the command R, but we wouldn't have even learned about it if I hadn't ranted about it because Mac updater will show that there are updates that the app store is not showing. And we talked about that on the show. And then it was, somebody was like, yeah, just hit command R and boom, that that's when they all show up. So anyway, you hit command R and, and it solves that problem. I'm glad I read um, Chuck's rant. Otherwise, see, we wouldn't have had this extra tip to share. Uh, but he says, during today's GarageBand update, my cursor accidentally hovered over that little progress circle. And it shows the, the, the data transfer speed in real time of the update coming down in megabytes per second. Uh, it, oh. it shows how many bytes have been downloaded and the speed at which they are currently coming down. So you can see if there's if it's stuck. You know, some updates are huge, right? You know, like Xcode or something, it, right? And if you hover over that little circle, you actually get more information. That, Who knew? That's two. That's two. Yep. Same. Yeah. I'm going to be done by eight fifteen. Yeah. Usually we finish quick tips, and I'm like, I've hit my quota. Maybe. Maybe not yeah, today. I noticed that too. I'm but, like, when did this start happening? But thanks for pointing it out. Yeah. Chuck. Yeah, no, it's good. That's very cool. Yeah. Maybe maybe we'll have to raise the, the number from five. I mean, we started with three several years yeah. ago. We got we went to four briefly, and now we're at five. Quick five things that you're gonna learn. Maybe we have to raise the number. I well, don't you know. Have to give us a break because those were tough years in there. <laughs> <laughs> the, the four year was tough. That was a tough yeah. year. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh all right. John. So here's one that may make many people very happy so if you've been paying attention um they just dropped monterey 12.3.1 and they specifically in the release notes which is kind of weird but they specifically say usb-c or thunderbolt external display does not turn on when connected to mac mini 2018 as a second display well the good news is this update solves that problem it solves another problem that i don't have but um with Bluetooth devices, but um, yeah, it worked. So I'm I'm back to my original setup. So you know, John, I, I sent you guys an experimental path I went down because I was sure I was going to be able to tell you what the problem was or give you the the set of people who would be affected by that external USB C pro uh, problem, and I was completely unable to prove what I thought I was going to prove was um, I have a Cocopar 15 inch uh, external USB C display, and I got an email from them saying don't upgrade to 12.3 it'll destroy everything and but they said intel and so i tested it on my intel mac and it didn't break it <laughs> and so i wasn't able to prove the point but uh yeah there definitely was something wrong in 12.3 that's cool they fixed it in 12.31 yeah i tested john on my uh 
my M1 laptop because remember when I was in Austin, I couldn't get HDMI to work with the Samsung screen in my hotel room. I before I upgraded my laptop to twelve three one, I tested HDMI on my uh, LG TV here in at the house, and it worked just fine. So I have no idea if twelve if twelve three was the cause of the problem with that screen in Austin, or if it was something completely. I I, I will never know unless I like go back there in a year and test it in the room. Maybe I will. Who knows? I don't know. So, I mean, I'm disappointed in that they broke something that's so fundamental. It's fixed. In 12.3 is like, you know. It's not, not the first time, John. Yeah, it's right. It, it's this, this happens. This is how these updates work. This is why we do the updates and, and test it for people so they know not to. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I was waiting for to upgrade the studio machine, which is an Intel iMac. So may or may not have had this problem. We have, you know, I, I didn't want to find out. I, I am too reliant on this. So uh, I will upgrade it to 12.3.1 probably next week. Once that, you know, once we hear if there are no showstoppers. <laughs> so. The good news is it's a very quick update. Yeah. It's one of the, and the phone updates were just, I, there was just a little bit needed to be tweaked. I think. I'm glad you said this, Allison. I, I did the update for my laptop this morning uh, to from 12.3 to 12.3.1, and it was bizarre. This was on my M1 Air, for those of you playing along at home. And I went to System Preferences. It says there's an update available. I hit update. It said, um, you know, agree to the terms and conditions, whatever. And then I watched it refresh that screen, and the update now button reappeared for 12.3.1. And I did that like four times and then I quit uh, system preferences and I rebooted my Mac and nothing like it was, I mean, it came back up. It was fine, but, but still on 12, three. So I went back in same thing a few more times, update now, agree to the terms and yada, yada, but nothing happened. And then after a minute or two, I get the little thing in the, the notification in the upper right corner of the screen saying your Mac needs to restart now to do the update. And I'm like, okay, great. Like, apparently you did it without telling me i'll take it yeah and i hit the you know the thing like don't wait the 59 seconds hit restart now and it the notification went away and nothing happened (laughs) and it was like okay that's awesome so i I one one job update you have one job yeah exactly so i rebooted i waited a little bit to see if you know because sometimes it takes a minute and then suddenly it's like oh you're in restart mode ha ha no, that didn't happen. So I manually restarted again. And during that restart, the update happened and everything has at least thus far been fine. So, I so just know. like I said, super smooth and quick. Yes, it's just like okay. you were, I'm glad you said it was super smooth and quick because I wanted to share that I found that as well. <laughs> All right. Um, Peter. I, I, we're we're spending more quick tips are not quick today, but we knew that going in. Um, Peter shares an, a thing about tab groups, and I, I I'm looking to get as many opinions and thoughts on these as I can. So with you here, Allison, I definitely wanted to do this. He says, uh, Dave, you mentioned you haven't really figured out a good use case for Safari tab group tab groups. Let me set up. Let me share mine. I'm a university professor and currently a department chair and have many disparate things going on. I teach, I have things related to being chair, doing research, and maybe even a little coding. I've set up a tab group for the common web pages for each of these, which is nice because each has five to 10 tabs. Uh, So overall, I'd have, you know, somewhere 30, 40, 50 tabs. 
When I sit down to work on something, I typically focus on one of the task groups and switch to the tab group that I need. Quite helpful. Clearly, uh, the other advantage is that these groups are available across all devices, which means it's easy for me to jump around. Lastly, he says, I have a couple of tips with this. And this this is interesting. He says, I usually keep two windows open uh, in Safari with one window being the tab group. And then the other one is just what I'll call my default. And he says, this is helpful because any link from an external program, mail, Slack, etc., will open in the non-tab group window. If you don't have a separate window open, then Safari will open a new window with the link that you clicked on. So it will not open links into a tab group, which that is almost a reason to want to figure out why to use tab groups. Because having having one one group that's like untouchable, even if it's the frontmost one with focus, that's interesting to me. Um, And he says, command shift up or down arrow switches between tab groups. So here's your other tip. And then number three, you can easily move tabs to different groups. Right click or control click on a tab and select move to tab group. And then you can you can send it there. So, so I, I really want to like tab groups. When I first looked at them in the in the beta, I was, or I think it was a beta of Safari. They gave it to us. We could play with that without doing the beta of the OS. And I thought, wow, this is the this cast me out, man. I set up a bunch. But. This does make it more useful so that other apps don't don't mess with this, uh, the tab groups. Yeah. But the logic of tab groups being that if you change where you are while you have a tab group open, it just changed that tab group. I don't understand why they did that. That makes it, we have to completely relearn how to use a web browser yes. in order to do that. And boy, I don't know if I can do it. Right. Yeah. Neuroplasticity is, is a, a, I'm a big fan, big fan. However, don't know how much I have left in the tank. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I'm nearer the end of the road than you are. So uh, <laughs> I would yeah, love you're, to be able to learn that. You're probably healthier than me. So maybe you're not, who knows? I don't know. I try to remain pretty healthy. Uh, but um, yeah, it, I don't like my problem with tab groups is that I have trained myself to use bookmark groups. And and so a bookmark group, you can create a folder in bookmarks and open everything in that folder. It doesn't do anything special with them like a tab group does, of course, but it does open all those links. And usually I will do them, like for example, I've mentioned, you know, when I do my, my personal banking once a month, I have a, a bookmark group of those, but I use it as a to-do list. And as I finish dealing with one account, I close that tab and I know that I'm finished. And then by okay. the end, I have no tabs and I'm, it's like, ooh, woohoo, I can check it off my to-do list. But if I do that in a tab group, <laughs> I have the nothing. Tab group's empty. It's now it's empty, right. <laughs> and the same is true for like WordPress updates. I have several sites that, you know, I manage here. One less now. Uh, actually, not one less because now I have the MacGeekGab.com site that I have to manage. So it really is the same. Uh, but, you know, I'll go through once a week and check to see if there are updates there and, and do a backup and things like that. So I have I have, you know, all my things. But again, I use it as a to do list and I close them when I'm when I know I'm finished with that site. And then when it's empty, I'm good to go. So I, my my problem is that all of my workflows are built without the concept of tab groups thus far, right? Like it would be weird if I had a workflow that automatically worked with tab groups because they didn't exist prior to now. So that's, I think that's my problem. I'm just waiting like you. I want to like them. 
I I do too. I just I just don't think they work the way my brain can adapt. And and I yeah, doesn't work for me. Kiwi Graham I'm and Archie. Yeah, I don't Oh go I ahead, John, sorry. Because it's like too confusing. Yeah. yeah. I'm, well, but I mean I felt that way about focus mode at first too, and now I'm like hmm. the biggest fan of focus mode. In fact, you asked me when I was running the betas, John, like, tell me about focus mode. And I was like, Yeah, it's stupid. I can't find it, you know, whatever. And I'm then, still on the it's stupid side. I oh, can't man. get it to do and I think part of it, the focus mode problem for me is that I use Telegram and Telegram's just like, nope, I'm going to talk to you anyway. It does. It just right. doesn't obey. Yeah, so. I find it annoying because my phone will, I'll, I'll get this notification saying driving on, driving off. And I'm like, yeah, I know I'm not driving. Why are you telling me this? I, I got to disable it. That you, you know, you can disable, right? It's yeah. It's, yeah. Okay. It's in settings. Do not disturb. But it's a good thing to have on. <laughs> it's well, I don't know. I mean, I don't. With CarPlay, I I don't like having driving focus mode on. I, I found at least when I first maybe it's better now, but at first it was it was too limiting. Mm-hmm. It was like wait, I'm like I'm all good. Like the don't don't talk to me when I'm driving because I'm driving. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, right. But my car's talking to me anyway. Like I've got notifications coming up and like oh I, see, but that's what you wouldn't be getting those notifications, right? Yeah, but I don't know. I think I do. Like from messages and stuff. I think those oh, really? would come up anyway. Yeah, it, I don't know. I, I should try it again now that, you know, it's it's had time to, a little time to mature. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, Kiwi Graham in the chat room says uh, regarding tab groups at live.macgeekup.com. That's where the chat room is. Uh, they could do with a freeze switch. Yes. Uh, my kingdom for the freeze switch. Right. <laughs> that's it. This is what I want it to be. I'm going to go play with it and mess with it. And then next time, as though nothing happened. Right. Bring me yes. back. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That would, that would change my, that would be awesome. Cause then like, I love this and I didn't even, cause I don't use tab groups. I didn't realize Peter's, uh, you know, the thing that Peter pointed out until he pointed it out that new links from other apps won't open into a tab group. Love that. You know? So. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Everybody. Apple.com slash feedback. Type in tab groups could use with a, could uh, use a free switch. I we I have one last quick tip to share. We're we're running. Well, it doesn't. We're not running behind. We're we're learning things. So there's no problems. But I do have one last quick tip to to share, and it's a it's a little bit of a rant uh, for those of us that use Overcast, the podcatcher client. Uh, evidently, on March 25th or thereabouts, there was a a fairly sizable update that happened. On March 29th, I got in my car and I launched Overcast and I drove to uh, pick up my brother and then we had to go do a thing. And while we were in the car and I was in the car for all of about, let's say, 15 minutes, I noticed a text come in. Speaking of notifications that come in on the CarPlay screen, I noticed a text come in from Mint Mobile. I couldn't see what it said. They're my carrier. I'm like, oh, it's getting to be the end of the month. Like, okay, whatever. And uh, and then another text came in from Mint Mobile. I'm like, well, I'm still driving. I'm not going to have it read this to me. It's a 15 minute drive. I'll 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 deal with it when I get there. So I got to where we needed to go. I look, and the two texts in the course of 15 minutes were that I had reached 80 percent of my 10 gig allotment for the month and then that i had reached a hundred percent of my 10 gig allotment for the month now the month for me resets on the 30th so this was not a you know this was not a disastrous scenario and it 
it doesn't like stop me from using data. It just slows things way down. It's totally fine. And I could have paid dad more if I really wanted to. But I looked like, why did I just burn like three gigs of data in 10 minutes? What happened? <laughs> and I looked in overcast settings and it was set to download over both Wi-Fi and cellular. I know that this has never been an issue before because it's never been an issue before. And basically the only time I run overcast is when I'm in the car. So I have to assume that this update made some change that reverted whatever I had done in the past. Because I, I know in the past I had whatever the, the I don't know the specific settings because I don't spend a lot of time in them. But I had told it, you're welcome to stream on cellular, but only download on Wi-Fi. And right, now that, that way when you're streaming, it's just that one episode, not every single thing you're subscribed not to. Not all the things that have updated since the last time I launched Overcast, which clearly was, you know, at least three gigs. Uh, so <laughs> it was all the gigs. It was all the, all the gigs I had left. Yes. So I, like, I, it, so I went, obviously I made the change. I reported the bug, but I wanted to alert everybody. If you are an Overcast user to, to go in and check your, your download settings and make sure they are set the way you want them to be set and that you don't run into my issue. So I got the update and mine did not change. It still says Wi-Fi only. Interesting. So something. Yeah, something. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't figure this was a a widespread thing. Otherwise, it would have, you know, come the out in the beta. would have blown up. Yeah. <laughs> well, or it would have come out in the beta, right? Like it would have been fixed. But, but whatever I had done was some, you know, perfect storm of an edge case, I guess. So... <laughs> Is that is that too many mixed metaphors? That's a lot. That's a lot. Dave. That's a lot. Okay. <laughs> ah, all yeah, right. Sometimes an app just goes wild. Uh, when I um, when I got the iPhone 12, you know, so when I got it, it was like, oh, um, your your SIM isn't 5G. Go go to your local store and get one. And I'm like, oh, cool. All right. And then um, like that day. All of a sudden, I got a notification from Verizon saying, hey, you just consumed all of your data, which uh, I have the five gig plan with the carryover. And I'm like, huh? And I looked and it was the weather.com app that for whatever stupid <sighs> reason consumed five gigs of data. It was like giving like, you radar data from every city in the world. I, I don't, all all the cities. That's right. I have no idea. So I think it was a bug in the app. The thing is, I called Verizon. They were cool about it. And they're like, oh, OK, we'll credit you, you know, for the data and stuff. And everything's oh, been fine. Good ever since but it's good so so maybe the title of the episode is spring break apps gone wild mm -hmm. Ooh, i like <laughs> it i like it <laughs> uh, all right uh quick not so quick tips was fun uh we have some of your questions on the agenda i don't want to say some of your questions to answer because that might be setting us up for failure but we have some of your questions on the agenda and the next thing that I'd love to talk about, John, if it's okay with you, is our uh, first two sponsors. Okay. All right. We all know that it's great to be able to work from anywhere, right? You just need your laptop and some Wi-Fi, maybe an external screen like we've talked about here on the show, and you're good to go. What's not so great is being spread out across the country or the world and trying to keep your team on the same page and focused on the same tasks. And this is why I'm becoming a huge fan of our next sponsor, Coda, here at Coda.io slash MGG. In fact, we're going to start using it here at MGG. I'll talk about that in a second. If your best work is spread out across documents and spreadsheets and your team is spread out across the country and the world – 
and you've got this stack of workflow tools that you have to jump in and out of all day, Coda is perfect for you because Coda is the single document that brings it all together. It's endlessly customizable and endlessly connected with things. There are templates for anything and everything. And that's what we're looking at using here. There's a template that we're working on, on customizing with them. That's a Q&A template where you folks can submit your questions to this. Other people can see the questions. You can vote on them so that we know which ones to answer in the show, right? You see where this is going. It's a web-based document creation tool, but everything's in it, text and spreadsheets and all of that. But it's all in one, which means that it can adapt to whatever you're doing. And it's super easy to use. It can help you view information depending on what you need. And everything in Coda is synced. Make an update in a table and it automatically shows up for everyone everywhere. You don't have to rely on copy and paste. It's really cool. I'm excited about what we're going to be able to do with it here. With Coda, you can solve for just about anything. And right now, you can get started having your team all working together on the same page for free. You got that right. Head over to coda.io slash MGG. That's C-O-D-A dot I-O to get started for free. Coda.io slash MGG. Go get started for free. And our thanks to Coda for sponsoring this episode. Listen, as a small business owner, you know, we're juggling hundreds of balls in the air and we don't have time to interview unqualified candidates for the roles that we need to fill. Well, LinkedIn Jobs, our next sponsor here, makes it easier for you to find the people you want to interview faster and for free. In fact, just this week, Sadie celebrated her first anniversary here with Backbeat Media and Mac Geek Gab, we found Sadie through LinkedIn Jobs. We would not have found her otherwise. I actually got to meet her finally last week. We did the whole thing remotely, though. That's the beauty of LinkedIn Jobs. She was here almost a year. It was like three days, two days shy of a year. And we finally got to meet. It's pretty crazy. You go and you create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs at LinkedIn.com slash MGG to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Then you add your job and their purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to help spread the word that you're hiring so your network can see it. And then they, they've now they've got simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk with faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MGG. That's linkedin.com slash MGG to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for sponsoring this episode. All right. Uh, let's get to some questions. Kareem has a question that I think will lead to a good Opportunity for conversation amongst the uh, the three of mm -hmm. us here. John, you want to you want to kick this one uh, off? I'll I'll start off. So sure. I gave my take. So uh, Kareem says, um, uh, so he has a colleague that runs a 2007 iMac, which seems to be on its last legs. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. <laughs> yeah. uh, he wants a super clean setup with no dongles other than needed wires uh, to power the screen. Uh, and wants to use it for him and his family as long as possible. So some future proofing is somewhat part of his plan. He doesn't do any heavy lifting in terms of video editing other than the odd drone shots. Do you have any suggestions? Will any of them work for him as long as he gets the largest storage option? So here's my take on this, Dave. Um, 
I think the basic Mac studio with the N1 Max should be enough machined for basic use. Uh, the only thing that I would add, Dave, is that the um, the default cons- configuration has a, a relatively small, in my opinion, SSD. Um, so I'd up it to um, from 512 to 1 gig um, <clears throat> or 1 terabyte, sorry, um, which will bring the cost up to $2199. Um, and that's how I have my MacBook Pro and my Mac Mini, which are both Intel uh, currently set up. Though then I thought, you know what? Speaking of the Mini, you may want to consider a Mac Mini with the M1. Um, adding RAM to 16 gigabytes and the SSD to one terabyte would run you $12.99. So you can save some coin. And the other thing is check the refurb store. The thing is, when I last looked in the refurb store, the uh, the Mac Mini configurations were kind of wimpy. The problem is that in the refurb store, you get what you get. You can't uh, configure it, uh, or customize it. So that was my spin. Um, and he actually got back to me and said, okay, thanks for the advice. Um, the only reason that, um, I don't want to consider the mini, which kind of surprised me is that the mini, or at least the current mini doesn't have an SD card slot. And apparently that's a requirement of his, uh, his colleague, um, that's a thousand dollar slot. Uh, yeah, then. I think you could get one a lot cheaper than a grand. Yeah, so <laughs> I mean, yeah, so you should be able to get a USB C to SD card, you know, adapter thing for. I mean, if you're going to so, buy it, so that's my take. I mean, the studio, I think, though, is just in general is too much machine. Uh, I, I'm not going to consider one because you know, again, it, it seems to be too much machine for your average user. Whereas I think the mini is more mainstream for most people. I, At least it is for me. I don't disagree you know, I with that. I got the 2018 one and you know, it, it does what I need. If you're going to get a dock, most docks, uh, many docks, certainly many of your options will have an SD card reader in them. So I, like you can definitely get a Mac mini and add an SD card reader. If not, essentially for free because you're adding a dock anyway, certainly for far less than a thousand bucks. And you know, your comment about the refurb store, not having what you wanted. My advice to you is refresh that screen. They, they, they change all day, every day. And while we're recording this, which happens to be Friday, April 1st, which is Apple's birthday. Happy birthday, Apple. It's also Puck's birthday. He's five today. That's our cat. Uh, you can see him at Puck the Star on Instagram. Uh, he the um, they have a, you know, the 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 maxed out Mac mini with an M1. It's got 16 gigs of RAM and a two terabyte SSD. And you can get that for fourteen thirty nine. So that would work for me. Yeah, that would work for you. <laughs> if it doesn't, no Mac Mini is going to work for you because this is as good as it gets. Yeah, and so check that or use refurbtracker.com, refurb-tracker.com, which will alert you. You can you can really get granular with your settings and if you if you understand how their lookups work, you could even create a lookup for a product that is not yet in the refurb store. Uh, which I've done with like the, I think I, that's how I found this iMac in the refurb store was, um, was by, by setting up a thing and it was like, boom, they're there. All right, I'm in. So I got to I got to agree a hundred percent with, with John and the approach you took. It's almost like Kareem's buddy is asking the wrong question. And so giving the answer 
yes, the base model would be fine, but that's the wrong question. I think that your approach on that was exactly right, John. Um, I, and I think this is problematic because it's Apple's fault. There is no uh, M1 Studio that's an M1 uh, Pro. There's the Max and the Ultra, so there's a gap. There's no M1 Mac Mini that's an M1 Pro. So there, there's a there's a hole, and I don't understand why that hole's there, and I bet that that's going to... I can only think that's going to end up in the in the Mac Mini in the end. Uh, but he specifically said no dongles by saying a dock, not a dongle. Didn't put a dongle on you, right? <laughs> you, you technically answered the question right, Dave. Right? You gave well, not a dongle, but for three hundred bucks now you can get the machine that you actually need, and you've pocketed seven hundred dollars, even if you don't go to the refurb store. Right. Fair. However. You had a, and I, I agree with both of you, like the Mac studio, the only box that it checks for Kareem's friend is the future proofing box because by golly, what he's describing he needs is not what the Mac studio currently offers. So definitely there's some future proofing there, probably too much of it, uh, but you know, like depending on, you know, how much money he has to spend, maybe he needs to burn dollars to, you know, f- for tax reasons or whatever. Like, so if so, certainly yeah, if not going to be dollar bills to light on fire. You go, girl. You go. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime I tell my accountant, I got to figure out, you know, where to get some deductions. He'll say, would you like me to send you an invoice? You can pay me. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, there is MacGeekUp.com slash premium as well. If uh, if you're having any trouble in that regard, we are very, very Happy and fortunate to uh, to be able to accept your contributions there. Seriously, though, I agree the the Mac Mini is probably the right thing for him. And I also agree with your speculation, Allison, that I think we're going to see a rev to the Mac Mini that that gives it that makes the decision for those of us that think we want a Mac Studio but don't really need one even harder, right? Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the justification's going to roll off. The justification is going to fall off fast. Yeah, see, I'm waiting for the—I want—the Mac Studio is arguably perfect for me here in the studio, but it's perfectly overkill for me here in the studio. I'm waiting for them to hit the refurb store because I don't need a new machine here yet. By the time they hit the refurb store, though, I might not be able to justify— that many. <laughs> you had a good point, though, Allison, about the Mac Studio as you were looking at specking one out for, uh, f- you know, for I, I for my producer, for your producer. There you go. Right. And uh, see, this is what we aspire to. I aspire to have a producer, folks, but we're, we're going to get there. Uh, do, do you even need a dock was the question that you started to ask. Yeah, so uh, my producer, who happens to be named Steve Sheridan, has a um, a 27 inch iMac and a an LG 5K display hooked up uh, together, and he's got a dock from OWC. Everything works great. I did a port map where I, I diagrammed out using a really cool tool called um, it's from a website diagrams.net. Uh, it's got a downloadable application also called um, Draw.io. But anyway, I, I diagrammed out everything that he had connected, and then I looked at his new Mac Studio and the number of ports that were on that and, and realized he can plug in everything he has in his dock today. He can plug in everything and still actually have a lot of extra ports. He'll have six leftover ports, four uh, USB-C and two Thunderbolt ports after he gets this whole thing set up, and he will have no dock at all on his desk. Yeah, see, that's nice. That this is 
Yeah. I've said many times that USB-C delivered on what Steve Jobs tried to, you know, over engineer of having the one cable between our, our, you know, our Mac and our monitor or whatever. And this is yet another one of those scenarios where it's like, oh, this kind of cleans it up nicely. That's really interesting. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, that that's six leftover. That's if the um, he's oh, I, I should have mentioned he's also getting the studio display. If the studio display camera is not good. Yeah. Then then that's why he has only six leftover. If he if it is good, he'll actually have seven leftover and he could get rid of his Logitech C920. My guess is that he will find that Apple's webcam is better than than the Logitech webcams. This is a whole different tangent, and I'll I'll try not to take us here for too long. But webcams suck. Um, They they, there are no good webcams out there. I've I've been trying them all. You know, we do this show with video as well. And then Sadie takes those videos and uh, or takes the big video and chops them up into little videos. So the quality is actually important. And I hate going to YouTube or Instagram or wherever and seeing our videos with us looking like blurry and crappy. And so I've been really trying to figure out, like, what do I need to do? And I know that the answer is be like all the all the real YouTubers, Dave, and get a, you know, a DSLR and spend a thousand bucks on a camera. And so this week I am trying something different and we'll see how it all works out. I am using not a webcam, but an iPhone 10 with reincubates camo. And uh, and the problem is mounting it on the top of my Mac. We'll get into that some other day because that's a ridiculous conversation or maybe maybe we'll chop up the pre-show and have sadie share that but um because that's because we did talk about it uh so may, coming to a video screen near you but uh the, it, like as soon as i plugged in this this iphone and you know an iphone 10 is not current like the image that i got was i'll say 10 times better than wow. anything with a webcam yeah i mean it was just like quite literally night and day including the, you know, the way it pulls in the colors and the sharpness and the frame rate. And it's just like, oh, why won't someone take that web, that camera and put it in a webcam? Like, like if somebody would sell me a camera for three or $400, I would buy that as opposed to spending a thousand dollars. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's, there's a middle ground. Isn't the iPhone doing a lot of image processing too, though? Oh, well, it's it's got a good lens and a good sensor. That's fair. You're you're absolutely right. Because the sensor's wee tiny in that. Yeah, that's right. And Logitech, like this, the old C920s were doing their own processing and MPEG compression, right? And then they made a silent switch where they removed all that. And they said, oh, your computers are fast enough now. They can do it all. But it, things actually got worse than they were a while back. And and then okay. and then there's the whole, like, like the Brio or whatever. You know, it's like, oh, it's a 4K camera. It's like, well, yeah, but... You, you have to use Logitech's app in order to get 4K, and you get like two seconds of lag. So, uh, so you're work. looking at the equivalent of a Logitech Brio right now. I've got the Logitech that goes on the uh, Pro Display XDR, sure. which I believe is the same camera as the Brio. Okay, and um, it looks really good as we're looking at right now. You've got me dumbed down to 720, but as far as Correct. as color and clarity. Um, I really think 98% of it, though, is the compression uh, caused by the stream itself. You may not be wrong. Yeah. You may be disappointed when you see how this comes out. You'll go, wait, it looked great when we were talking to each other. Yes, I I am expecting that, in fact. And so then it might be, okay. well, now we need to upgrade StreamYard to let us do 1080p 
with that and and start down that path. But as I've learned from at least audio recording, you got to have good source material in order to have good produced material, right? Like <laughs> right, right, right. So we we I do mine at at um, 4K into Mimo Live for my live stream. Yeah, but I, to to tell you the truth, I never go back and look at it, so I should take a look at <laughs> yeah, some I'm on, on recorded YouTube. Well, I will go and look at yours, uh, and and maybe you know Mimo Live didn't work for us; it was not nearly right. stable enough, but. Um, but you know there there are other engines out there, and and we are sure. happy to use different ones. So yeah, you're you're right though. I might be disappointed, but I had to solve this problem first. Like, and if if it didn't look yeah, good if here, it's garbage in, right? Right. If I can't get QuickTime or you know whatever locally, I don't even know if Reincubate Camel works with QuickTime. So that that's probably a bad example. But if I if I can't get it to look good locally, then it doesn't. It's irrelevant. So yeah, right. Plus, it's fun to use an iPhone for it. That's kind of cool. You would think if there was a way to mount an iPhone on top of my IMAX monitor display thing, that would make Without it fun. A spider. <laughs> I, I have this stupid spider thing. You'll see it in a, a thing at some point, folks. It's ridiculous. Anyway, John, uh, Andy, we have any more on this one or, or shall we? Nope. Uh, okay, great. You want to take us to Ricardo and uh, yes. Universal so, Control? There was a mystery um, that we were speculating about in a prior episode in that how does universal control know where my auxiliary screen is? Yeah. I mean, it's not ultra wideband, which is what oh, know, is the AirTag does. Uh, I was thinking they were doing some fancy RF thing or something like that. And then he wrote in and said, oh, no, let me explain it to you. Um, the way it works is that the first edge of your screen that you use is what universal control will pick. And I'm like, okay, let me try that. And I tried that on both between my MacBook Pro and my iPad and my Mac mini and my MacBook Pro. And I was like, nope, that's not it, dude. <laughs> um, well, it kind of is. And then my esteemed colleague Dave chimed in and said, well, what if you restart? And I'm like, mm, okay, let me try that. That's the answer. So universal control, the first setting, the, the first time you scroll to either the right or left is what it will lock in until you restart. Oh, so, so that's the answer. I'm glad you brought that up, John, because I had I had it where the first time I used it, I went, whoa, that's really cool. And then the next time I went to use it, it was on the wrong side. But mm -hmm. I had probably played with it somewhere after a restart and not noticed that that had happened. I just assumed it was using ultra wideband. Do we know it's not? Um, My conclusion is no. Yeah, but how does it know is the first? Oh, it knows the first time because you pushed that direction. Correct. It takes your your movement as a vote and 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 then. Right. But but the, the election only happens once. OK, here's, yes. a, here's a question. Restart. Push your your cursor to the right without your iPad open. Mm -hmm. Now, open your iPad and try pushing to the left to get to it. How, where is it registering yeah. that you hit the edge of a wall? Right. That would be fun to know. Now you can rearrange it, right? In displays. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So. It does have a it does have a screen similar to display screen, where you can move it to the right or left. It is display manually. screen. It's the same. Yeah. It's a system preference it, pane for displays. Yeah. What's interesting is if you have multiple monitors going already, uh, you'll notice that the monitors that are in what what I'll call extended display mode, because that's what Apple calls it, are touching their edges touch each other 
the ones that are in the, uh, the you know, this mode, the, the universal control mode, there is a gap between the the, oh. the display on that side and your iPad. So, you know, You're OK, right. this isn't in extended display mode. This is in universal control mode because you can also in displays quickly change that to extended display mode. And now your iPad will just be a, a you know, a, another display of your Mac. So, you know, that's interesting. And I, I just looked at mine. I've got the uh, the big screen up in front of me and the MacBook Pro to my right. And the iPad is down is actually down into the left. OK, it's and it does have that gap, but it's not just that it knows it's knows it's to the left. Somehow it registered that I went down, I think. OK, so it's got to be using ultra really? wideband then. Hmm. I mean, how else would it? Oh, unless unless you oh, hinted by going down. Right. Okay. OK. All right. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. No, we don't. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Did I, I hear you right, Allison? Did Dave, did she say feedback at MacGeekGab.com? I think she said feedback at MacGeekGab.com. I also think that's the first time it, it was someone other than one of us, John, that began the shtick. So lots of firsts today. I like it. Groundbreaker here. Groundbreaking. That's right. Um, all right. Let's let's do Tim. This is I'm. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, Allison. I mean, I want all of our thoughts on it, but uh, I selected this specifically because I knew it was going to be the three of us. Tim asks, he says, I find myself struggling to find a way to automate the import. I, I, I will share his specifics, but really what we're talking about is an in general kind of thing here because because th this is way too specific for any one of us to to, to frankly care about. Uh, but don't take that the wrong way, Tim. You know, it's just how we do things on the show. So Tim says, uh, I, I find a way to import blood pressure data from an Omicron or Omron Bluetooth monitor and nutritional data from my fitness pal and weight measurement data from my body plus scale, which is Bluetooth. He says, I want to customize a spreadsheet that I've created to monitor uh, all of these things together. He says, um, my wife has an implanted catheter. We can't do the drainage procedure until several conditions are met on a daily basis. And that's why we want to track this uh, on a spreadsheet. Uh, he says, I'm currently entering the information manually. I've attached a copy. He's shared his spreadsheet, um, which, of course, you know, we're not going to share with all of you. Uh, he says, I plan on adding charts and graphs and all of that good stuff. Do you know of a way to automate the collection of this kind of data? And so, like I said, we're going to zoom out a little bit. Because I don't know the specifics of these individual things because I don't have these individual things. But I think about how I would approach solving a problem like this. And as soon as he said spreadsheet, it started heading me down a path. Um, if we treat this, the spreadsheet as a Google sheet, now that is something that can be targeted by various automation engines. Specifically, the one I'm thinking about is Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R. And I, I've often, I think even on this show, called Zapier the glue that holds the Internet together, meaning it, the automated Internet or the Internet of data, because we have all of these places with different things, right? Thousands of different places with, you know, I mean, he mentioned three of them, but, you know, you, you might have like we use WooCommerce for our MacGeekGab.com slash premium subscriptions. And I like to have that feed into a spreadsheet so that I can read that data. WooCommerce doesn't talk to a spreadsheet, but WooCommerce talks to Zapier and Zapier talks to Google Sheets 
And so I was able to build an integration that says, okay, great. When, you know, put this hook into WooCommerce, when this action happens, go and take this other action and feed this data that you got from here over to there. And that's a very simple way to use Zapier. So my thought on this is see if there's a way to get your various devices data into Zapier and then you're home free. Now, the one thing my first thought when you said a Google Sheet is, do you want to be putting your medical data onto the Internet? Fair question. And I would start with no. I I don't disagree. This is (laughs) why I I said let's zoom out a little. But but your advice for Tim and everyone is is very sound, and I'm glad you brought it up because that's – yeah. 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 So I can't really give an answer to this because uh, it it does kind of get into the specifics. Like, how does the data get onto his computer today? Is he typing it, looking at a little display? Right. And I I think the only thing I can say is my friend Dorothy is a a computer programmer, retired computer programmer and recovering, um, we call these. Yes. (laughs) And uh, she uh, is uh, has diabetes. So she has all of this data. And she has written these elaborate Apple scripts and importing data. And she's also very, very privacy oriented. And she has written these elaborate scripts. And basically, I don't understand how anyone else stays alive with diabetes with what she has to do in order to maintain it. And she has managed to narrow that band of what her blood sugar readings are, which is you, you want to manage your spikes. Uh, and the average, and she has managed to get the average into the right zone, and she's managed to get the spikes way down, but only through, like, having a master's or whatever in computer science has she been able to do it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, I'm I'm sure you could use Keyboard Maestro and, and Apple Script and Shell Scripts and things to automate this, but without knowing how that data gets in, I, I don't know where you would start. No, that's a, but that's a good, like, and, and that's the kind of answer that I think is appropriate for this question is, like, that's another place to look is if... If this data is even available to your Mac, right? Like it's possible these things are only available on his phone, in which case, mm-hmm. you know, you can't use Keyboard Maestro to do it. She's, but she's done stuff to get her diabetes data from her phone to her Mac, too. Oh. Um, she was able to do it. The other thing she does is she goes to the forums for the hardware that she has. So she's got a specific monitor and she goes to their forum. She goes to, um, she actually goes to conferences about it, about diabetes and sees what's out there and learns from other people about how they've automated it. So you, maybe you want to go specific to this Plurex BD, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a Reddit, right? There's a slash R slash Plurex XD and ask other people how they're automating that because that's how they're staying alive, right? Yeah. No, this is, and, and be ready uh, that there's a there, there's a world where the answer is don't use that device use this one because it allows you to extract the data in the way that works for you to do what you want to then do with it etc cetera, etc cetera. which is hard to say when it's already implanted i got that yeah, yeah that's fair yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah when you get your upgrade yeah. Turn left. Turn left. Yeah. One of the cool things that's happening now with the diabetes stuff is she's she's got a uh, continuous glucose monitor and she's got the the thing that injects her automatically. And they're finally starting to close the loop where the one piece of machinery will tell the other piece of machinery what to do to her. And that's the dream. Oh, right. Yeah. Is you've essentially strapped an artificial pancreas on the outside. I wonder if there's a world where your iPhone could be the brains of that or your, you know, it could be. So I'll offer this. Um, A lot of platforms and I have two 
um, will integrate with the health app. So I have a smart scale, which will beam the data into the health app. And then also um, when I get my blood tests to monitor various things, uh, there's a, a gateway between Quest and health where you can import that data as well. So perhaps find a device that advertises integration with health. Do, can you do shortcuts based on like, can shortcuts see your health data if, if you let them, Ooh. right? Cause that would be the, the key here to the glue. The, the glue. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, so but this is yeah. like, this is why I wanted to have this conversation amongst the three of us. Cause I figured everybody would, this was the right group. Yeah. 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 This is a case where I'm sure there's somebody listening who's yelling the answer at their phone, right? That's right. Feedback. At and, and where would they send that feedback? That's right. You got it. <laughs> yeah, please do. Obviously, this is, you know, this is interesting to all of us. Like I said, you know, you zoom out from the specifics that each one of us needs to do. And and then, you know, we, we might start to get somewhere. Uh, Darren on you in our, our YouTube stream commented PowerShell might be an option depending on the devices. It's a powerful automation scripting language that I've used to pass data slash information around various apps on Mac OS. Interesting. Oh, I thought PowerShell was only on Windows. Uh, five new things. That's there we go. PowerShell for every system. I found a GitHub page that uh, that appears. It, it says PowerShell for every system. Uh, PowerShell, new to PowerShell, there is mm -hmm. macOS. There's an ARM64 build of it here. Yeah. So there you well, go. March 23rd, 2022, installing PowerShell on macOS, Microsoft Docs. Bingo. There you go. That's that's new news. That's news. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. Interesting. Now okay. supports macOS. Brilliant, brilliant. It Thank might have you. for a while, but that's a pretty up to date. <laughs> that's a yeah. That's a that's that's like last week. <laughs> so, <laughs> at least as we're recording this, this is last week. But last week and a half. Yeah, there you go. Fun, fun. All right, uh, we have some cool stuff found. Maybe even a cool stuff made to share, and uh, and perhaps another question or two to get through. The um, the next thing that I would love to do, Mr. Braun, is talk about our next couple of sponsors, if that works for you. All right. All right. Well, you know, I was traveling for like 12 days or whatever, and there were a lot of things I missed. Some of my family was out with me, so I, I was fortunate to not to have to miss them, at least not for the whole trip. But I definitely missed sleeping in my Helix bed. I would say that I've said that outside of the context of them being a sponsor, but they are our next sponsor here. This mattress is super comfortable and it's it's no surprise that it's comfortable because Helix Sleep has a quiz that you take. It just takes two minutes to complete and it matches you and your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Lisa and I took the quiz together. We came up with the midnight uh, mattress and it's. Like it does it it it's perfectly matched to us and it you know Helix knows that we're all unique and so they have all these different mattress models to choose from soft medium firm mattresses that are great for cooling you down if you sleep hot and even a Helix Plus mattress for plus size folks so if you're looking for a mattress you go take the quiz you go to helixsleep.com/mdg you take the quiz you order the mattress that you're that you're matched to and then it comes right to your door it's shipped for free. 
You don't have to go to the mattress store. They've got a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. And Helix is now offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for you, our Mac Geek Cab listeners, at helixsleep.com slash MGG. So go, helixsleep.com slash MGG. Check it out. Take the quiz. And our thanks to Helix Sleep for sponsoring this episode. You know... Finding and booking a doctor who's right for you doesn't need to be a terrible experience, but it sometimes is, right? You know, will they take your insurance? Will they understand your needs? Will they be available when you can see them? And with our sponsor, ZocDoc, the answer can be a refreshingly pain-free yes. ZocDoc is a free app which shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, who take your insurance, and who are available when you need them. So you get to go read up on local doctors get verified patient reviews and see what other real people have to say about their visits and experience with these doctors and their offices and all of that stuff. So that when you get there, you're set up to see someone in your network who gets you and it's not a surprise. So you go to ZocDoc.com, you choose a time slot and whether you want to see the doctor in person or do a video visit and just like that, boom, you're booked and you get to find the doctor that is right for you and you get to book an appointment that works for your schedule. And, and this is why every month millions of people use ZocDoc. I've used it. It really makes sense. So go to ZocDoc.com slash MGG and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash MGG. ZocDoc.com slash MGG. And our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. All right. Well, John, it's just you and me at the moment. It seems uh, Allison took a break here, but that's fine. We will bring Allison back in when she comes back. You want to take us to Brian's Cool Stuff Found, my friend? Um, uh-oh. <laughs> Don't have Brian's. Okay. I'll, 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 ta- I'll start talking about um, the uh, – well, I had some we'll – start, we'll talk about Audio Hijack 4, which is uh, the – the, the update to Audio Hijack, which is uh, the app that I use here at Mac Geekab to do all of my recordings. Uh, and version four has been in beta test for a while. We've actually been testing it. All of you listening to recordings of Mac Geekab for certainly the last month or so. And occasionally before that have heard things recorded with Audio Hijack 4. But it adds some uh, some features which I have Use some of them and am eager to use others. The The feature that I've used is what they're calling their new mixer block, which is a block that um, if you have the idea behind Audio Hijack is is that you capture different pieces of data and then or d- different pieces of audio and then manipulate them and then you can record them or output them to wherever you want. And for example, when I was in Austin uh, a couple of weeks ago recording the show, John, I had to uh, I don't bring a mixer with me, so I have to have different volume blocks in audio hijack to control your level versus my level versus the level of the theme music and all that. Well, I was able to rebuild that and use the mixer block to have everything kind of feeding into it and then just control all of that from one place. So the mixer block's great. There's also an advanced mode where you can now 
manually wire things together in audio hijacks so that if you in the past and and by default, even with the current version, if you put two blocks next to each other, it's going to connect them and pipe audio between them. Sometimes you want to have things near each other, but not necessarily have the audio piped. And so there is a manual mode that you can use, which I'm eager to mess with. And then the third thing, there are like a hundred new features. I'm not going (laughs) to go through them all, but I will share the third one. And that is that it now supports scripting. So you can script audio hijack with JavaScript and you can also script it with shortcuts. If you don't want to uh, use or, or learn JavaScript. So in Monterey and presumably later that shortcuts are going to remain, uh, you can integrate audio hijack into your workflows. So um, lots of other stuff too. Obviously we'll put a Can I give my favorite? Yeah, please. Yeah. My favorite change is not for the super advanced users. It's actually for, I think will help with onboarding is each of the blocks now has a really good graphical representation of what it's doing. So for example, if you put in a 10 band equalizer, it actually shows you the curve that you have chosen in the 10 band equalizer on the block. And you can rename the blocks to be what you want, what makes sense to you, not recorder, but you know, something else. I had no idea. I didn't know I could rename the blocks. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, this is the problem with being, you know, I'm just, I, I've, I've been using, I think I might have been the first person to use audio hijack to record a podcast. Like, I I think that it's not unlikely, right? You know, and certainly the advanced workflow that we have with multiple people and tying it all together. I mean, that, that's just, you know, we were, if we weren't the first, we were, you know, among the first, right? Yeah. Right at the beginning. So, but the problem is, I, you know, I know how to use this. <laughs> right, right, right. So it's it's going to be hard to go back and try to see what we don't know because we already know how to use it. One of the complex ones that I really like is when I'm recording with a with a guest, I use a um, duplicate left, kill right set of blocks and then duplicate right, kill left set of blocks. And basically it says uh, if, if on my side, make my microphone be all on the right and the yeah. other person's all on the left. And that way I get two separate audio tracks. You get a, you get a, well, a split audio recording. Sure. Yeah. Once somebody's done it for you, you can just keep those blocks and you never have to understand this. And it's, you know, don't worry your pretty little head about it. But now the block actually shows like the left channel being dragged into the right channel. Oh. And it shows that the other one's being killed. It shows a dead end on the block. So it's really visual to understand what does that do? That's amazing. Oh, wow. I think it's going to be easier to explain to people how to use it. It doesn't change how I'm going to use it probably, but it helps me be able to show somebody this is what it's doing. I think it's going to be, it's much more intuitive and it's pretty. It's really pretty. It really is now. Yeah. I mean, it's, I hadn't thought about it until we started having this conversation, but when we started doing this show, the the name of the product that we were using was called Audio Hijack Pro. Uh, They've since dropped the Pro and it's just Audio Hijack. But it was not built to podcast. No surprise. Podcasting wasn't a thing. You know, it was built to capture audio from like real player on a schedule and record it so that you could time shift the shows that were on real play. Right. Like that. That was sort of the the gist. But but it was this idea that you could just sort of do whatever you wanted. And it was like, oh, wait, I you know, I understand how I would do this with audio cables. Can I use this tool to do virtual cables on my Mac? And, and it's still that tool. It's just far easier to see that it's that tool. Yeah, I've got to tell you a story that you're going to love. I've been meaning to tell you this is <clears throat> I was looking into how to add a peak limiter. And sometimes the audio words aren't what I know. Like I actually did know how to do what an audio, li- a, a peak limiter is. 
but I didn't know that's what it was called. So I knew I needed a peak limiter. So I went out and I Googled uh, peak limiter. And, and the first hit was Dave Hamilton, like 14 years ago, showing it in Audio Hijack Pro. But yeah. as soon as you brought up the AU Dynamics processor, I was like, oh, that's what it is. Okay, I know, Dave, thanks. Right, yeah. But it, but it was still applicable because the tool is still doing the same things under the hood. It's just you can understand it now. You can you see it now. You yeah. Don't, yeah, you don't have to know that, okay, in order to implement a peak limiter, there isn't one, but you can you can tweak a compressor to almost be a peak limiter, right? Like that's, yeah, yeah it gets you, so, gets you close. Yeah. I'm going to give one last plug. The coolest thing about Audio Hijack is it is 100% accessible to voiceover users. I have taught not one, but two blind people to use Audio Hijack. And they're like, oh, this is awesome. Huh? It's, it, it's crazy good. And, and they built it from the ground up. I mean, there is nothing about this tool that isn't accessible. It's really, it's, it's built into the fabric of it. Fascinating. Fascinating. Huge fan. All right. Well, while we and and I'm glad you're back with us. Uh, while we are here in Cool Stuff Found, I mentioned Cool Stuff Made. You made something, Allison. You want to talk? You want to talk us through this? It's a pretty cool thing. In fact, it it might help uh, Kareem's friend earlier in the episode too. Yeah. So I've been like I mentioned earlier. I've been kind of crazy about diagrams, and I've been trying to explain all of the different models over the course of time. And in the last since from October to today, I think I've made four separate diagrams trying to explain how these how the different models work. In the uh, in the pre M1 days, we could basically go in and say, I would like a MacBook Pro and you would choose whether you got a an i3, i5, i7, whatever, you know, whether it was an iMac or or what uh, a MacBook Pro. And then you could choose how much RAM you wanted and how much disk you wanted and you were done. But now things have gotten a lot more complicated. So one of my first charts was trying to explain the M1 Max and M1 Pro on the 14 and 16 inch MacBook Pros. And the diagram that I built just shows you how incredibly complex it is because now if you say, I want 32 gigs of RAM, well, you have just defined which Mac you're going to have to buy. And and right. from there, you, you now you've got choices of how many GPU cores. Or if you start with GPU cores, you have now defined that you're only getting, uh, you know, this model of M1. And I think they made that a lot more complex than it than it needs to be. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember when you walked through this when the MacBook Pros came out. I, you know, I bought one quickly because I wanted it quickly and I got it right. quickly. So my goal was met. However, had I read your piece, I would have realized that I could have gotten what I wanted slash needed, although I really didn't need it. In fact, <laughs> I've proven that because I don't even have it anymore. I gave it to my son. Uh, but um, I could have saved about 200 bucks if I had like if your chart had existed in that moment, which, of course, it didn't because I was buying it like, you know, the moment that they announced it. Uh, but, yeah, yeah I still difference. can't tell you which one you should buy because I still don't know how to tell how many cores of GPU I need to do what I do. Right. So I don't actually I'm not sure my chart tells you what to buy. No, <laughs> it but just it tells you the implications of those decisions. Well, it, it but it also told me that it was available. Like it, there was there was a weird path to get there because I chose whatever processor and then. Had, you know, I, I was I was already uh, like corralled into yeah into choosing more GPU cores than I realized I needed. If I'd chosen the lesser 
version that doesn't have the processor I wanted and has less GPU cores, but upgraded just the processor on the, you know, build to order screen, then I could have gotten there for $200 less, whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, so thank you for saving the world $200. (laughs) So the next thing that I did was I looked at uh, what's happening right now is the uh, the entire M1 family that we've got. And it's it's really interesting how many M1s there actually are, because the iPads are M1s, the the um, the 24 inch iMacs are M1s. The studio is M1s. You know, we've got we've got a plethora of of M1 family devices now. And so the second chart that I made really highlighted how the um, about that hole that we were talking about, that there is no M1 Pro if you don't have a laptop. It doesn't exist. Right. And that's what came out of the M1. And I, I put the date on that chart. Because as soon as they upgrade the Mac Mini, we'll know what goes in there next. The, the date is arguably one of the biggest pieces of text on this chart, and <laughs> and understandably so. Yeah, you're not right. by accident. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And on DTNS, Tom Merritt was asking me. He said, "He said, well, is it really that much more complicated than it used to be?" So the the chart that's at the top of the post that we're talking about shows the death dates of all of the devices that were available when Steve Jobs walked back in mm. on. Um, I didn't realize it was it was to the day the day that he left. He came back on the exact same day. It's like January sixteenth. I've got it in the article there, but uh, he left and came back on the same day, and that's when he made his famous two by two chart that said we're going to have you know consumer and pro and laptop and desktop, and we're done. We're getting rid of all these models, and so I mapped out what how many different variations were there at the time, and I've got to give a hat tip to Adam Angst for helping me with that because I missed a bunch of models my first time through. Sure. Always have him check your stuff. Yeah, he that and, dude's. Yeah, he, he's he's like not only is he a smart guy. And of course, a, a, a nice person, but he has like an encyclopedic knowledge locked into the vault of his brain. Yeah, it's and, yeah. and a precision, uh, detailed precision that's beyond anything I'll ever be able to achieve. But I can only strive. Yeah. Well, or we can just ask Adam, like, you know, but, yeah, yeah, Why it's, it's easier. Come on, don't you miss the days? Like, remember the performer where they had like 50 different models? That's that's what Steve came and killed. Not buying. <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. buy. I remember looking at it and go. Nope. There's nothing. I think I bought a buddy of mine's used because I I literally couldn't decide. Yeah. People would ask me what, you know, which Mac should I buy? And I'd be like, I don't know. I I don't know. Like they change every week and there's too many of them at any given point in time for me to effectively guide you. I don't know. Throw you know. In Steve's speech on that, he said the same thing. He said, my family and friends come to me and I don't know how to answer the question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Imagine. Right. It's yes. Yeah, Steve couldn't answer. <laughs> yeah. That's a That's I mean, that's a quick marketing path. must have been like, hey, let's offer 50 different configurations. That sounds like a great idea. And somebody should have. My guess it. is it was not marketing driven. I mean, what Steve Jobs mm-hmm. did was made it a marketing decision. Right. Mm-hmm. Like by by doing that two by two grid. This was an engineering thing. Like, well, some people are going to want this and some people are going to want that. And some you know, some dude over in, in Keskechewan, you know, asked for for this. I don't even know if Keskechewan is a place. I think I just made that up. But uh, but he but asked John for it. Be, so we're going to make John it. That might be right, though, because Adam said that some of these configurations were because this one was in Costco. 
And right. this one was at Walmart or something like that. They were at, they were at specific stores. I'm, I'm making up the stores, but you know, I'm, they making, were I'm making up stores. names of places. It's all the same. Yeah. <laughs> it was the Walmart in Saskatchewan. So yeah. yes, the cost yes, mart. They the, were the ones. At Walmart. It was the cost mart in Saskatchewan. <laughs> yes, that's right. He says the smartest guy in the room. But it's almost like <laughs> it's almost like buying a car is just give me a configuration. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when like the auto dealers Tesla, have done for that. For example, though like, I haven't looked in detail, but I think Tesla is pretty straightforward. They're like, there's this model and this model and this model. Yes, but it's tricky. You can mm. buy that model today and tomorrow buy that same model and get different features. Mm. Great. <laughs> okay. Hey, we talked about this a long time ago when uh, when it was announced, uh, but Apple Business Essentials is now live for everyone to use. So... Uh, if you are needing an MDM that really also the, the way I think of it is it's Apple's multi-device management solution and it includes the ability to add Apple care to devices, especially devices that you don't own. You can add it to the BYOD devices that your employees bring in. So I like I, I'm I'm bullish on the future of uh, ABE. So I wanted to just make sure everybody knew that that was out. So, yeah. Hey, thoughts on ABE, Allison or John or uh, no? No. Nope. Yeah. Okay. Um, John, you had a question, maybe a geek challenge that I wanted to make sure we got to before well, we, we say goodbye. Well, but- yeah. So one, it's a fish shake. And two, it's a question. So um, I'm getting ready to do my taxes and I print them and, and I do them on paper, believe it or not. Well, I use a PDF you can download from the IRS. And then I print them on paper and I mail it in because uh, I, I actually find it therapeutic. The IRS too. hates you, by the way. <laughs> yeah, they do. And, and actually, right. the other day, I actually got a, a bill from them because I also don't do estimated taxes. And I got a bill from them from two years ago and they finally got caught up in their workflow. And then I got another bill like a week ago for the next year. So, yeah, I realized that. But it also for it. it, it this is fine, and we'll eventually get to John's fish shake and, and point, but but I highly recommend that at the very least you use something like TurboTax, folks, to do your taxes, because th- there are, you know, what, 85,000 pages to the tax code now? Even an automated engine will save you money over what you will be able to do on your own, unless you are a highly trained CPA specific to whatever your own needs are. Last and, I tried a free offering, not the suggesting number it free. gave me was not the same number I got doing it by hand. Right. So, so I, right. I, I don't necessarily trust the online offerings. But here's the problem. So, you know, I went to my laser printer. So I have a GCC 12 slash 1200 printer that was manufactured in November 1999. But it still works. So I just an old, old it, it, this it. is I just an old laser it. printer, right? Postscript laser printer. It's a yeah, a, a postscript or PCL. OK, um, the thing is, I went to my print dialogue because I wanted to print out some forms and um, the printer got blown away. I'm like, what happened? It happened. I don't know. It, it was a recent OS update that blew that printer away. Now, I have another uh-huh. printer. I also have a Canon inkjet, which is which I use pretty much for, you know, printing pictures. And stuff like that. But I don't use it for day-to-day stuff because it's kind of expensive versus a laser printer. Um, But it blew the printer away. So I'm like, all right, well, let me add it back. Um, And I use um, 
what's known as LPD as a protocol to talk to a printer. And so I set it up that way. But here's the problem is that you don't get all of the printer features um, versus adding a device-specific driver. The thing is, I do have, I still have the drivers. Now, I can't find them online anymore because the company doesn't make them anymore. Um, But I do have what's called a PPD, which I think is PostScript Printer Description File. But I couldn't figure how to get the current version of Mac OS to recognize it. So, I mean, I mean, it's fine. You know, I, I did a test print and everything's good, but having the driver lets you do things like, you know, use the rear feeder instead of the, the paper feeder and, you know, right. select the DPI and stuff like that. So, so is your fish shake that Mac OS isn't supporting fully a 23 year old printer? Correct. <laughs> That's okay. the fish shake. That's right. Okay. Just, how or that the company do doesn't make the should? drivers anymore, or they don't make them easily. Are they available. even still in business? I mean, is GCC still like? If you look, they they make things, but not laser printers, right? Anymore. What do you? What is your expectation for how long they should support a device uh, like Allison, that? Allison, I've I've asked this kind forever. of question before. <laughs> don't go down <laughs> this hole. Do, do, don't do, no, no, run no, away forever. Run away. <laughs> run, run away. That's right. Um, I mean, I did find a site that advertised having the driver available, and I downloaded it, and it was a .img file. But when I tried to open it, it's like, well, there's nothing in here. So, so I, I the trick will be your PPD might would be the I I, I realize I I shouldn't I, I'm actually doing the thing, Allison, that I said not to do. Right. Just avoid. Yeah. Yeah. I will point out that uh, a year and a half, two years ago, whatever it was, I took a perfectly good multifunction laser printer and decommissioned it from use in my office because uh, HP was no longer making drivers for this printer for the versions of Mac OS that I was using. And that had been the case for probably 10 years. And finally, I decided I want to, to move on. So. Let it go. I think that's going to be <laughs> actually, the. Actually, we could t- we could turn this around. Let's not make it a fish shake. What if it's a glorious? Do you realize you can still use a twenty three year old laser printer in its most fundamental mode on a modern Mac? That's, that's right. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, it's not a fish shake. It's it, no. Wow. And there might cool. be a path, John, to taking the PPD, the printer postscript printer definition file. I'm pretty sure that's mm-hmm. what PPD stands for. Uh, if my if my lizard brain memory it was right in inserting that into my mouth, uh, the trick is figuring out where on macOS Monterey to put that PPD so that it shows up for selection in the printer dialog for the generic PostScript printer. I found and an I article tried that, and I find a reference. I think okay. it's library printers. I find some. I found something. Yeah, and put the PPD file in there, but it didn't. It doesn't it didn't appear. Show up. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know what you're really looking for, you're really looking for the developer of ViewScan, ViewScan from Hamrick.com to do the same thing that he does for uh, scanners to do it for printers. Well, it, he didn't need to for a while because Gutenprint existed, right? And Gutenprint mm-hmm. was e- exactly what you. Uh, what you're wanting here, John, right? Like it, it, it's, that was the key 
to I think they called it like gimp print or guten print. It it um it, mm. it you know it changed, but I don't think guten print exists for Monterey or perhaps even. Uh, you know, prior uh-huh. to that, but it was it, the, the whole project was exactly like what what Hamrick has done for scanners. Gutenprint did for mm-hmm. printers and and had dialogue, you know, had the drivers for printers that that, you know, the manufacturers stopped updating effectively. But the it, last it, stable release was August of 2019. Yeah. That's only two years ago. Yeah. But remember, Monterey changed a lot, yeah. you know, and, and that may be why placing the ppd where you put it john didn't result in anything because even though it looked like you put it in the right spot did you actually put it on the system volume which is where mac os looks and the answer is no because the system volume is not writable right so like I, i there 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 might be a way but there probably isn't and and you know to allison's point amazing that in its most basic form you can you know a postscript printer is a postscript printer you know, yay, all hail standards, right? Because here we are. It, it works. And my Miracle. my multifunction printer worked for the same reason, but not to fax. And not, or it, well, I, I don't know that I fax all that much anymore, but not to scan. And that was kind yeah. of the thing that I, I needed. And so it was like it now it lives in the house as a copier and a printer. And it's fine. And I have a new I one. I bet ViewScan can make it scan. It cannot. No. No. Oh, I, don't, you, you, I didn't think it was possible. I've talked with him over there to make, to like begging him. It was like, no, not that one. He's like that one. There was something specific about what HP did. It was like, yeah, no, 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 no. Um, so, yeah, it was, and it was too old. Like it was, you know, it wasn't quite as old as John's, but it wasn't that much newer. So. Geriatric. What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but it doesn't owe you anything like you can, you know, go any money you spend on this is 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 not like it, it's not a crime like it, that. That printer has more than served its its useful it value. It doesn't owe you anything. That's a good way to look at it. It doesn't owe you anything. That's mm-hmm. oh, that's the story of my life. Otherwise, I'd like freak out about stuff. It's like, ah, oh, that thing doesn't owe me anything. Like, come on. Again, my biggest gripe is why did Mac OS remove that printer from my printer dialogue. Well, it probably was using an incompatible driver. Mm. I, I mean, maybe, maybe it was like, Oh, not going to do that. Yeah. That's yeah. not going to work anymore. I mean, remember 12, three made, and I realize we're running long here, but then, so mm. my apologies, I guess, um, 12, three made a lot of changes, uh, that, that we're still finding out about. I mean, one was your monitor thing. That was unintentional. Um, mm. the, change to removing uh, uh python that was very intentional and and still broke a lot of things we recently found out uh from listener mace that uh it, he found out accidentally that mac os 12.3 replaced uh no longer has nano a, a text editor on the command line it replaced it with pico by doing a sim link from nano to pico now on first blush Nano and Pico look almost identical in the editor, you know, in the on the screen. So you might not even notice that it changed. However, he had aliased Nano to Nano with lots of command line switches and his command line switches were not did not work with Pico. Uh. So he had to go. And I told him, I said, well, you can you can do brew install Nano right with homebrew and and put Nano back on your Mac if you want or. 
you could just go through and figure out how to invoke Pico with those same, you know, the analog of those switches and, and then your future <laughs> future proofed with air quotes. Cause <laughs> you know, but, um, but yeah, 12, three made a lot of fundamental changes. That's, and that is, I, I want to say that's unique for a point level Mac OS to make that many, like this was like a, you know, a Mac OS 13 type, release with that many under the hood changes that really screw with developers um you know yeah because with if they were going from 12 to 13 then developers would say okay i really need to understand every implication of yeah. this new os but 12.3 you're just like oh it's just a point release it's a point know? release yeah but yeah. but no it's <laughs> interesting if you type in nano space and a file name it launches but at the top of the window it says pico and that's, that's what you were talking about the symlink that's yeah. the symlink right a symlink is a like an alias uh, you know like we know of as an alias in the finder and so it's it if you do a ln well let me see let me do which nano so it's user bin nano so if you do ls dash l h a t slash user slash bin slash nano you will see that it is, oh, am I not on 12.3 on this Mac? Wait a minute. <laughs> What's going Why do I still have Nano here? This is weird. I am on 12.3. No, I'm Which, not on. Oh, right. I was saying earlier, I did not yet upgrade this Mac to 12.3 because I, d I didn't want it to mess up all my monitors and everything. So now <laughs> I will upgrade from 12.2.1 to 12.3.1. So, <laughs> yeah. But it won't say that anymore. You'll see a little pointer that says Simlink. So, yeah. Fascinating stuff. Anything else before we um, bang the gong, as it were? And there's a reference you can ask kids, you can ask your parents about. But uh, <laughs> I think I've uh, told you everything I know. I've, it. I've told you more than I know. So <laughs> there you go. As a, as a as a shout out to our friend John Martellaro, he used to say that all the time. I actually, I, I want to do a shout out to uh, Dan Moore, and and it gets back to the uh, the whole idea of making an application or a piece of hardware work beyond its its means. He said, "I break up with software before it breaks up with me." Ah, uh -huh. so you know that thing where you find out it's end of life, but you keep using it because you're just hoping it'll it'll just this a natural desire for it to stay, and you don't want to give it up, and then you end up down the road of misery. He breaks up with the software before it breaks up with him. That's a, that's really good. At, like I love that phrase. I mean, it's it's yeah. you know, but yeah, like there's a power to that. That's a good way to live because otherwise yeah. you find yourself in in these scenarios where it's like. The thing that I've used forever doesn't work. And it's like, well, yeah, but. But it you, doesn't. You knew it wasn't going to for a little while. Like you, there's off, there's usually warning signs, right? Like, I mean, Dan doesn't just start using soft, new software for no good reason. He right. knows, okay, like I'm seeing the end here. I see the brake lights ahead. I'm going to, I'm going to get off the exit quick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I even did that with uh, my beloved Clarify, one of my favorite applications of all time uh, for creating documentation with screenshots and text and annotations and stuff. And uh, they, they did move it to 64 bit, but they said, this is the end of the road. And I simply stopped making tutorials. Because there was no substitute sure. for it. Now, there, there is now a tool called Folga at folga.me, F-O-L-G-E dot M-E. It's actually uh, a Ukrainian developer named Oleksiy Sabrinri, mm. if I pronounce that correctly. Okay. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. And I just did a uh, Screencast Online tutorial for it. 
And you can actually watch that one for free with a free sign up to Screencast Online if I can advertise a little bit right there. Sure, of course. But yeah, Ukrainian absolutely. developer, gotta love it. And it's a pretty it. cool tool. That's great. Cool. Anything else, John, before we uh, bring the band in? All right. It was um it was an interesting it's a like today was the first day, and really it was in our pre-show break. Uh, I stepped outside onto the 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 deck be, because it was it's like almost sixty degrees, so not cold. Uh, at least not cold for those of us here in uh, in New Hampshire, Allison. I realize 60 degrees is when you break out the parkas and yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but uh, it was it's like 60 degrees, so not cold. The sun is shining bright and it was raining. And it was like, right, this is spring in New England. Like, ah, right. So I stood out and enjoyed some of the, the, the like looking at the sun in the rain and no clouds, which is, it's just a weird thing that, that happens here in the spring. So that's your version of sunshine is sunshine with rain. Well, no, that's my version of like a, a, a clue that it is spring. Like this is, okay. this is what happens here. So, <sighs> All right. All right. I like this. This, I break up with software before it breaks up with me. I may have to adapt a version of that for my son with what he's going through with Reed's dwindling computer science department. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, all right. Anything else? We got anything else? I had fun. Thank you for having me. This was a this was a real blast. I had fun, too. Thank you for coming. This is this was great. Yeah, you, you fit right in. It's almost like we all knew each other already. <laughs> Practically. Almost like we'd had gin and tonics together, huh, Jeff? Almost. Yeah, it's almost it's almost that time. All right. Um, I look forward to the next time we get to have gin and tonics together, Allison. Yes, we, yeah. we need to do that. Yeah, I'm sorry. We our schedules did not work to to do that when I was in the Southern California more recently. Yeah, the fact that you were like 12 miles away and we couldn't we couldn't make it happen. Couldn't make it happen. It? Yeah. Yep. I couldn't make it happen. There was a, another friend that I was trying to get together with, too, and it was like the same thing. It was like, yeah, okay, it's just not going to work. It's fine. Can't Whatever. Get there. I did but get I'm to meet Sadie. I'm not either, because I'll be in Iceland. Okay, so I, I, I have this. I was saying to somebody the other day that I'm, I'm like, I'm going to, if if Max stock is offered in person, and there's still no guarantee of that, but, you know, it seems like it probably could be. Uh, I'm gonna have to make Sophie's choice, and I'm not. I'm really not happy about this. So, mm. yeah, it's such a great conference. It, Anybody it, who's it, listening, go yeah. to it. It's yeah, fantastic. Go. Even if Allison and, and I don't go, go. John, you, what are your thought? What are your thoughts on on Max Talk? Now that we're here, having um, evidently another conversation, I have to change my hotel reservation because they shortened the time span, and I haven't yet made my flight. But you're gonna go. But you're gonna go. But I'm planning. Okay. Um, that's yeah. I love yeah. Max Stock. Just because it's you know all my you know Mac related for the most part friends yeah. uh, are gonna be there. Yeah. No, it's I I love yeah. it's a great conference. Like you said, it's a it's a great opportunity to get together with all of the the kind of the you know a lot of many of the people in our community, if you will. It's just that it happens at the wrong time of year. It's a it's a it's a time of year where there's just so much else going on. You know, I've al I've always said the conference industry is tough because unless you're going for business and and therefore business happening during the week, and I, I would make a huge argument that Max Doc could happen during the week and, and work just fine. But if you are having a conference on the weekends, 
you're competing with people's leisure time and you're effectively competing with Disney World, right? And that's a that's a tough sell for individuals, but then also a tough sell for you know, for their extended, you know, whatever, their their families or or whatever their circles. So, yeah, it's it's a tough thing. If Max Doc happened during the week, I would not have a Sophie's Choice kind of scenario. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, you know, it, it the the fact that we are now talking about having multiple things happening that we could go and do at the same time is frankly quite wonderful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that is the good news, right? That is the good Not, news. Here's two things I'll never get to do in the foreseeable future. That's, that's, that's right. worse. <laughs> yes, it turns out we know the answer and it is worse. That's right. Yep. Yeah. I got my second booster shot this week. So Did you? I'm ready yeah. to go out. Yeah. I am. I, um, I, you know, I had COVID like eight weeks ago or something. And so and you're covered for a while. I'm covered for a little while. I actually took one of my I have these antibody tests that I sourced, you know, because I'm crazy mm-hmm. and all that. And I, I've, I, I mean, it's super unscientific. But the the darkness of the the line of antibodies has definitely changed uh, after after each shot. It like it gets super dark and then it starts to wane. And uh, it, I've never That's seen it. it. That is supposed to be an indicator on those. Uh, yes, I've been told by the. Yes. Oh, you didn't just make that up. I didn't make that up. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, the uh, and I watched it after my first shot. Like I watched it get darker and darker. You know, I was testing like every week or whatever. Yeah, because I'm a nerd. And uh, and so it, I tested yesterday, in fact, because I'm going to get a, a, a different vaccine, you know, another one. And I'm just like, well, maybe I'll do two at the same time. It's like, do I need to or should I like, you know, wait? And I, it was like the, the, the well, you are a doctor. We've already established that. So that's you correct. can make that decision. See, that's wisdom. right. With, with with wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You've we, already told we, us more than you know. I've told you more than I know. And I've already proven I'm not the smartest guy in the room. So there you go. But yeah. So I, I will wait, you know, a month or whatever, and we've got some potentially some international travel coming up. So I figure, well, I'll, I'll have it done ahead of that. You know. So. All right. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. Make sure to check out our sponsors at MacGeekUp.com slash sponsors. And then, of course, the, um, the sponsors we mentioned in the episode, which I'll talk about in a second. First, though, Allison, please tell people where they will find you. The best place to go is podfeet.com. Everything good starts with podfeet.com, where you can find the NoSillaCast, which is my solo show that has been going for, in May, it will be 17 years without missing an episode uh, every single week. And I've got Chit Chat Across the Pond Light, which is conversations with fun and interesting people, and uh, programming by stealth if you'd like to learn how to program in a an audio podcast with Bart Shots. And we also have a fairly finished podcast series called Taming the Terminal, which you can get as a book in Apple iBooks for free. And or it's called Apple Books now. And uh, that's also a podcast of about 40 episodes, uh, episodes learning to use the terminal. It's awesome. And I always am happily reminded that you started podcasting a month before we did. That's uh-huh. right. Uh, so I have more episodes. We have more have episodes, more but you can never start sooner than me. That's correct. I have a question for you. Did you use Audio Hijack Pro in your first month of recording your show? I don't know that I can say that. I okay. do remember learning about it at the Podcast Expo where I le- met Donald Burr. I that would have been a year that. later, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So no, okay. can't do that. And Adam beats all of us. So 
Adam Christensen. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, uh, all, uh, Adam so Curry does too. Adam Curry. You're right. Yeah. I just wasn't <laughs> sure which Adam we were talking about. Yeah. yeah it doesn't yeah. matter. They all do. All yeah. the Adams. And and a shout out to Dave Slusher. Uh, he's been with us on Backbeat Media for, you know, 15 years. And he just was inducted into the Podcast Hall of Fame. He he says he was podcaster number five. There is an argument to be made that he was podcaster number four. So, mm. yeah. Wow. I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Craziness. August of, uh, it would be 2004, I guess. Because that's, yeah. that's when Curry and Weiner started, too. So Doug K is definitively number three, and there's some debate as to whether I think it was Gibson right would have been oh, number, he? number five because he was on the conversations network with Doug K like ish I don't know but that's why Slusher says I'll take fifth you know I'm not here to fight and he's a, like that's because Slusher's a good guy. Hi Engineer asked when Leo Laporte started I don't know when he started all of his shows but I do know that I beat him in starting uh, okay. uh, uh, Mac Break Weekly he brings that up when I talk to him so. yeah no we, we we started this show before he started uh, with his netcasts, and that's a whole other story to tell someday. <sighs> Actually, I think his podcast network. He was oh, maybe not. Yeah, because he was on TV on. and all that stuff too, right? Yeah, yeah, and the radio out here. Yeah, right. And the radio. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. John, where can people find you? Um, careful Connecticut, or at John F. Braun on Twitter. Ah, yes. Um, there you go. And then there's you, Dave Hamilton. There's MackieCab on Twitter. Um, Allison is Podfeet on Twitter. I am Podfeet. That's right. And Pilot Pete. He'll be back at Pilot Pete. Thanks again for joining us, Allison. Check out our sponsors, helixsleep.com slash MGG, ZocDoc.com slash MGG, Coda.io slash MGG, and LinkedIn.com slash MGG. Fun stuff, folks. Thanks for hanging out a little bit extra. This might be our longest episode, certainly in a long time. Sorry, not sorry. This was a blast. Allison, I know you got us into this mess, but um, do you happen to have perhaps three words of wisdom to share with our friends who might still have decided to continue listening? Well, I hope those listeners... Don't get caught. Made up.